here we go. Spring of 2020. This is the 1080 Outdoors Podcast Land Management Series, where our main focus is pursuing the truth for everyday hunters like you. I wouldn't say it's kind of an FU, it's definitely an FU. Chronicle and document how our season's going and give you real-time updates, overall land management practices. You have to find a way to hunt big buck where they Welcome to the 1080 Outdoors podcast. This is your host, Taylor Henry. We are at episode 31, and I am joined by an awesome host, Sam Soholt, today. Sam has uh, taken it upon himself to... Uh, pretty much run a business that helps conserve land, which is uh, obviously a pretty amazing thing. Um, so his big business is a public land tease, um, and he's a, a freelance photographer. We actually dive into um, something we we don't really talk about much here is is getting into the business um, of outdoor in the outdoor industry. I guess um, Sam's been kind of through the trenches now for. I don't know, 10 years or so, and he shares a lot of his thoughts. I kind of uh, pull the curtain behind and kind of share some of my thoughts about business-related stuff in the outdoor industry. So, And we obviously talk about hunting and uh, turkey hunting and kind of his thoughts on the coronavirus, my thoughts. Um, impossible not to talk, to talk about these days. So uh, sit back, enjoy, listen to our um, conversation with Sam. And uh, please, when you get a chance, head on over uh, to Facebook, give us a like, um, subscribe, rate this podcast, take a look at all the other podcasts we're doing. Um, we obviously want to focus mainly on land management stuff with deer hunting, but we're kind of talking about turkey hunting lately. Um, so, and if you have any questions, make sure to message us on Facebook or shoot an em- email to info at 1080outdoors.com. And I hope everyone's hunting seasons and springs and craziness during this time is going all right. And everyone stay healthy. I'm joined with Sam Soholt. Sam, you were a podcast guest last year. Um, let's let's give the people a little uh, rerun on who you are, what you do, what you're doing this spring, all that good stuff. So what have you been up to? Yeah, uh, it's been a crazy year, man. So I think since the last time that we talked, I don't know how many miles I've covered, a couple hundred thousand between um, flights and driving and, and everything. Um, but uh, I got married. Um, but I am a. Congrats, man. Yeah, thank you. Um, but overall, I, I am a freelance um, videographer, photographer. I am a public land advocate, um, school bus driver, merchandise salesman, um, screen printer, uh, screen printer, <laughs> conservationist, um, workaholic. Uh, I don't, I don't know, like just a lot of irons in the fire at all, at all times. Um, I think, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's good. You're an entre- entrepreneur, man. You're a entrepreneur. grinder. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's why I always, I always like, uh, talking with Sam cause he's got a good, good business mind. It's fun to talk to. I, pro- um, I just, the problem is I have too many ideas and not enough time. I, I can get that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's. It's crazy, isn't it? It's just, it's insane when you let your mind, it's, it can, it can cripple people. Like I, I've been paralyzed for like whole weeks at a time because it's just like, you get, you're thinking about too many things, <laughs> you know, like I totally get that. Um, I, we were, we just recorded another podcast last night and they were making fun of me cause I was trying to, uh, cause I just dissect everything. So like, especially with hunting, 
um, like with this new farm, I'm like, well, I got an east facing slope here. So if the wind, if we have a wind that goes over um, and blows over my head, I, we stay high. Um, they have to, right? Like they can circle below us and not wind us. And uh, our guy in our pockets is like, dude, they don't have to do anything. They're fucking wild animals. <laughs> and I try to dissect, I try to like create these, I try to create these like frameworks and theories in hunting, right? Where like, I'm mm-hmm. like, well, they, if, if the wind and weather and all this, if they do this together, like they, they're going to have to be here on this day, right? And it's not possible. <laughs> and that's why I'm so obsessed with it because I can never, I can't ever, you, you're never going to be able to like figure it all out. Yeah, it's an unsolvable puzzle. That's yeah. what hunting. That's what hunting is, and that's why it's so addicting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's well. That's only. I mean, it's the only thing that I've done for this long without getting bored so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. so I must tell you something. Yep. So um, obviously, we were just talking um, before we started recording about the virus. Uh, it's something that I mean blends together in everybody's life. It's probably mm-hmm. one. It's like the first thing in uh, in our lifetime for sure that no matter what you are interested in where you are, there's definitely an opinion to be had and uh, some way that you are affected by this. So how in just an easy term has it affected you and your hunting this spring? Uh, you know, it changed my plans from potentially hunting turkeys in say six or eight States uh, down to like two. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, and maybe potentially even one, you know, as they kind of do widespread closures on non-resident hunting. Um, it'll just be interesting to kind of see how all that lays out, especially since like I'm back in the Dakota, in North Dakota now. And, you know, the coast got hit the hardest first because yes. everyone was traveling back from places and that's the highest population densities. And then it's just working its way to the center of the country. So, Currently, North Dakota, South Dakota, you know, I think there's a couple other states don't have travel bans, but man, it's, it's, uh, you know, like Nebraska closed down all non-resident um, turkey licenses. Yeah. Uh, Montana I know. just closed I was, down. I was actually planning, we were planning on going there. Mm-hmm. I was too. We've been and, in Nebraska uh, the last three years. Yep. And Montana closed down. They're going to reevaluate on the 24th of April. Like they're not even allowing people who had previously bought a license to go hunt. Um, like you have to, Oh, like, yeah. Cause Nebraska, if you'd already bought, you could still go. Yep. So in Montana, it's like, Nope, you can turn your tag back in, but like, you're not coming hunting here until at least the 24th. Yeah. Um, and so there's just, you know, Kentucky closed down. Um, I, I, I don't know which other state, a bunch of States have just shut that down. And I understand, you know, I think it, I think it more so comes from, um, you know, state employees having to deal with an influx of people because now you have, an entire country who's on vacation, you know, quote unquote. Yep. And what else are you going to do? Like, Oh, like, I don't have to go to work for the next three weeks. Like I might as well go Turkey hunt. Um, $1,200 can get you a long ways too. That's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, it's kind of like, I understand why they're doing it. But it's just unfortunate because, you know, I've never been more socially distanced from people than when I'm hunting uh, yeah. other than, you know, going into, fill up with fuel or, um, go into a cafe for breakfast or whatever. Uh, what but, is, uh, what is, what is the most extreme, um, rule that you've seen? Probably most, the Montana or the Nebraska or Montana. You said is yeah, any- probably the Montana, you know, yeah. like, um, even Kansas, uh, was like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Like you can still hunt here, but upon arrival, you have to quarantine for 14 days before you can start hunting. Oh really? Uh huh. Yeah. Wow. I had not seen that. Yeah. So, uh, 
Yeah, I would say like the most aggressive rule so far. Well, in Washington, they've actually closed down local like resident hunting and fishing, um, like sport fishing. You know, like you can't even go bear hunting as a Washington resident this spring. It's so that's it's wild. Mm-hmm. That's wild. I I had not seen that yet. Yeah, even on private land. Yeah, no, they, they shut down basically shut down hunting season. Yeah, and fishing too. Yeah. So I don't know. Mine, who, mine was going to be Illinois because we're close to Illinois, and I noticed they had shut they shut down all public land and all uh, parks. You know, well, yeah, because so they just they had shut down state parks, and I actually, state I mean, parks. a lot of people were up and up in arms about that, and I, and I agree. Like it's 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 a shame that our public lands would be closed down, but we have to remember that people have to manage those facilities, and yeah. it's not fair, like to the people who are managing the facilities to like okay, like, you know, you get, they get sick from some guy who traveled in out of state and didn't wash his hands or whatever and touch the handle and then yep. spreading that way. So, you know, and the population of Illinois is giant. And so you're just, they're just trying to protect their own people. I mean, it sucks, but uh, this will all pass. Like that public land is not going anywhere. They're not going to get rid of it. <laughs> um, what I am worried about is this, ma- I mean, fortunately, spring seasons, obviously there's less income for the states through the sale of hunting licenses, simply because there's not as many people that turkey hunt or bear hunt than that there are that deer hunt. Um, but man, could you imagine like the drop? I mean, if, if fishing is closed down or borders are closed down, like the amount of money that state agencies are not receiving simply because of all this, I, I don't know what they're going to do like for management practices and trying to keep biologists on, on staff. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I'm, my mom is a, a state senator in South Dakota, and she said that we're going to have to, like, have, I don't know, three, four, or five, maybe, you know, emergency sessions this year, simply to change budgets because of how much business has changed. And that's just, I think every state will probably have to do that because you're, you're guessing, you know, you're, per, you know, like the prospective sales tax or whatever it is from this amount of time is supposed to be this. And so you budget this amount of money to cover yep. all these projects. Well, then now you, all of a sudden you don't have anybody doing anything. Um, it's a lot, just things are going to change. First of all, that's awesome. Your mom's a Senator. I did not know that. Um, yeah, I had considered that a lot. I thought about Nebraska when they canceled that. And I was like, my God, cause it's, it's the only Northern state that opens that early. So mm-hmm. they have it there. I mean, they're, they're probably, it's probably the biggest Midwest, um, mid, you know, area in the United States for out of state Turkey. Like they, they have to that's so much revenue they're going to lose. Yeah. And not only that, like to hunt there, you have to buy a hunting license, which is what, yeah. 124 bucks with the habitat stamp and everything. And then eat, you can get three Turkey tags, but they're each 109 bucks. And so, you know, yep. people are spending whatever, $450 <clears throat> on Turkey tags, you know, for a single person. And now, you know, imagine whatever, 10,000 people, or I don't know how many people roll in probably more than that, but um, those people aren't spending that money and go into the state. I mean, that's just not to mention that, or they had the, or they did spend the money and they, and a lot of like Montana's going to refund everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. the refunds aren't free. Like there's that you do uh, like 10,000 refunds. Each refund costs, you know, a couple dollars to, to right. To do. Transaction fees. Yeah. Transaction fee. Like, yep. Uh, yeah. We were, we were talking about that too, because uh, a couple guys that we film with own land in Canada and like 
so the, the the town we go to is Dryden. It's like an hour north of uh, um, International Falls, and like I, I don't know what they're gonna do. Like that whole town might like half of their population in the summer is from America, and their borders closed right now. Like they're not gonna allow people to go there. Yeah, and they're probably not gonna like. They're, they're like spring bear hunting is in late May. Like most likely that's not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, they also just passed a insane legislation that has, comp- <laughs> so they bought land in Canada to get a bear tag every year because mm-hmm. land's so cheap and uh, legislation just passed. So 2021 um, landowners will not get a bear really? tag in Canada. They'll have to go through an outfitter. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> the last year they'll be able to, the last year they'll be able to get a tag. They will not be able to get a tag. Yeah. Uh, most likely. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, it's, that's, it's, yeah. The hunting world, uh, we were, we were talking about before we started recording, but the hunting world will look a lot different after this. Um, and it'll be, yeah. I mean, guide guiding like that whole industry, like Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I know a bunch of outfitters up in Alaska, um, just from doing work with, you know, photo work for people or whatever. Yeah. It closed down bear season in know, in Alaska this spring. And so, you know, like brown bear hunts are 20 to $50,000 a piece. Yeah. Know? That's a huge, wow. That's a huge, that's a huge part of their economy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, I think there, um, you know, like we talked about a little bit ago, like I think there is going to be positive. I think we're going to see an increase in people hunting and people being in rural areas, people having to figure out how to live a sustainable life without, I mean, you think about it. If it's, it's something to be said that we have this skill that if this were to escalate even further, we would become some type of, you know, non societal, nation like who's going to be the most productive you know we right. are we have that skill <laughs> right um, so there's going to be an influx of people who are going to want to learn that mm-hmm. um, yeah i this, mean at least i would i would hope so that that's the case yeah. um it's just going to be interesting to see how all this plays out you know i like i'm a fairly eternal optimist so i think that we'll come out the other side of this um you know, stronger and more prepared for this. Well, we don't know anything different. We live in America. Right. We've recovered from everything. So, Uh yeah. But, uh, yeah, hopefully we can science our way out of this one too. And, and just kind of keep moving forward and just, uh, you know, basically basically be ready for the inevitable next pandemic, which will come at some point. Like there's just, I mean, you can look at anything in nature, right? It's just, there's, it's hard to there's too many people <laughs> like like the carrying capacity of stuff like you see it in animals all the time i mean it's the reason that cwd probably exists so prevalently and it's the reason that ehd hits places so hard like it's just the balance of stuff and you know like there's too many of us that are disrupting landscapes and dude rogan's podcast with that doctor like a month ago where he mm-hmm. was talking about uh this and he got into how it's actually related or like it's that you can look at this kind of similar to CWD and how those prions are mutating and mm-hmm. like they're getting closer to moving to humans. Like that's a legitimate thing we have to worry about in the next 20 years. It is. Like, yeah. And that's, and that, that is a big issue. Cause I've heard it from, um, you know, several of the 
um, or at least a couple of like the major like deer scientists or whatever. Yeah. And they say like, if it jumps, you know, CWD ends up jumping from deer to humans, like deer hunting's probably done. Yeah. I mean, what do you do at that point? Like we have to kill them all, uh, kill them all. or we can't eat them. Right. Right. You, that ends up just being a, like a really weird trophy thing. Like, yeah, I don't. I mean, who I knows? mean, but if if if, peop, if humans are getting affected, like they're shutting it down. Mm-hmm. Like they're not. You're not. They're not even going to let people just kill them to have like take a picture with them. Right. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. This. It's. Uh, we. Well, we that's. Live in, I mean. Yeah. Hopefully this. This is another like. There. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of the hunting community, you know. And I've been there too, where it's like CWD, you scoff at it, like whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And I live in an area that's probably one of the most infected in the country. Yep. And that, after, like, seeing the seriousness of this pandemic and seeing, and then, like, actually looking at the science behind the CWD and how, like, it, like, you don't know that it won't get to humans. It's already successfully gotten from deer and mutated to where now it, it, it in tests, it affects mice, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that they didn't in, do that 10 years ago. <laughs> no, and it, you know, and it's tested positive in elk and moose, I believe in Montana now. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it's just spreading through creatures, you know, hopefully it doesn't transition to humans, but you just, yeah. you never know. Uh, brought my attitude down here now. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get so, back on track with like yeah. the positivity and we'll talk about, yeah. you know, like I know so we what, wanted to talk about so like what's, yeah, positive, yeah, yeah, positive things. Um, we're going to get into like how Sam's made a living in the hunting industry. Um, but before we dive into that, will, do you have trips planned in the next couple of weeks for Turkey Canton? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So I'll, I'm going to, I always, I, I'd always go back home and, and chase turkeys in South Dakota, typically get a archery tag and then a, um, a black Hills tag. And I don't know, well, hopefully I'll make it out to the black Hills this year, but either way, um, be chasing turkeys around in the next couple of weeks. And then, um, I'll probably try to get a Minnesota tag as long as they let me come into the state across the border. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm going to, you know, chase some turkeys around. I'll be trying to film the majority of that, which will be fun. Um, my dad's got a couple tags too. So I'll film him and brother has, you know, if my brother can make it back, he's got a couple tags. So we'll just kind of be filming each other and hanging out and, um, doing that and, and still doing our best to, uh, stay away from people and try not to make the problem any worse. Yeah. So do you so, think you'll be able to, are you going to hunt more with your family then than you have in the years past? Probably because you've been traveling so much. Uh, you know, it'll probably be about the same. I, I, I typically try to make it a point. I mean, we only get so many seasons on this earth. So I, uh, yeah. even, even in my travels, I try to make it a point to hunt with family as much as possible. Um, I just eventually, I turn them into models every once in a while and make sure I get content and stuff that I need to, um, yeah, along for the sure. way. but it's, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I'd, I'd rather hunt with family and it's, uh, those memories is, you know, that's just stuff that like will last forever. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 Bow hunting in South Dakota is still on my list. Cause I had to eat my tag last year cause we were heading out and that snowstorm hit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully next year. Yeah. Yep. So, um, Sam, the hunting business, the hunting industry. Yeah. How does one who is interested, um, I know because, I mean, you think about the careers uh, to be involved with hunting, you know, I, I think of, I think of like 
you know, product companies, content creators, guides, consultants, um, you know, people who work for the state. Um, what, what kind of did you think about or consider when you're younger, knowing that you wanted to be someone in the hunting industry and then how did you land on what you'd landed on? You know, it, uh, growing up, I was always interested in video, like, you know, very interested in it. You know, I was making snowboarding and wakeboarding videos with my buddies and, uh, you know, I filmed a little bit of hunting stuff. My dad and I filmed some stuff, duck hunting, but never like enough to, you know, make anything out of it. And I, uh, I talked, you know, my brother and I had talked extensively about, you know, you know, should we run a lodge or should we be guides and outfitters? Should we try to have a hunting show? Like, should we just start filming this stuff? And it just it never kind of figured out like the, the best way to do that. And then, uh, when I was in college, I started archery hunting and I was hooked. I got <clears throat> way into deer hunting was like fired up about it. And I'd started cold calling hunting shows and emailing any email I could get a hold of and um, got an internship with Midwest whitetail down in, in Southern Iowa. And I went down there and worked for that hunting show. And honestly, like to, when I left that internship, I was like, Oh, I never want to run a hunting show like on the, on, like, <laughs> on TV at least. You saw um, some uh, of the negatives behind. Uh, yeah, the yeah. So it hunting hunting TV is the only TV that you have to pay for the airtime. So, say you have a whole bunch of sponsors, a good chunk of that money goes to buying the airtime. Whereas on most networks, the network is paying you to produce the content for the show, mm-hmm. and then they are selling ads, you know, for the commercials in between everything. Right. Where you're doing everything, you're selling the sponsorships, you're creating the commercials, you're buying the airtime. I mean, at the time, like this was on the sportsman's channel. It was like for 13 episodes, it was like 80 grand for the airtime. Um, and so just looking at like how m- much money you need to have to have like a TV show, it was insane. And you know, like the outdoor channel is even more money. I think the pursuit channel was a little less at the time. I don't know what the numbers are now. That was 10 years ago. Um, and so I'm sure it's gone up since then, but it, I left that, like I had learned a whole pile of knowledge about film and photography and, and creating, you know, uh, videos, but I was like, ah, I just don't know if I want to be on, you know, I don't want to try to run a TV show. And so in 2012, I actually helped build a YouTube channel for my brother's store, um, which was really fun. It was called Gannett Ridge hunting equipment. And it was mostly like product overviews. I think I put together like a turkey video and like a preseason trailer and some different stuff. Um, but that was like going into that full digital space, I think like really opened my eyes to the possibility of what you could do just as a content creator, like within the space. And so that was kind of like how my path went. Like, I was like, oh, we should run a TV show. Went down, learned what that was all about. Left that going yeah, maybe not run a TV show. <laughs> yeah. Maybe figure out a different avenue. Um, you know, and then while I was working for my brother, um, I was in contact with different companies and I actually started producing content for an optics company and was reaching out to different people. And then um, just as jobs, like, you know, I ended up moving to Montana as a sales rep and then dove back into filming, um, which led to my photography career. But like, you know, just through all that networking, like you start to know all of these companies. And like, that was the path that I took was networking within the industry and getting these contacts with, you know, people in charge of marketing at different products and different brands. And then 
them hiring me to create content surrounding whether it be a marketing campaign or a new product or whatever it might be coming out um, they were hiring me to produce stuff surrounding that so that was kind of like how my path led me down the road first and then since then i have obviously transitioned a little bit you know instead of all photography and video like i've transitioned out of that into it's probably about let's say 30% video and photography, mostly photography, um, you know, 30% like brand partnership, sponsorship type, like promotion, um, ambassador type stuff. Yep. And, you know, 30% public land tees. So it's, a uh, you know, um, running an apparel business with the sole mission to raise money for conservation. Um, that's kind of, you know, it breaks up into that. And then I've got a few other things that I, that I do on the side, just, you know, for extra, whatever. Um, right. But I think it's important to diversify a little bit, especially in times like this where, you know, with, with how tight everything's going to become um, just in whatever industry you're in, um, there's just going to be a lot less work, especially if, you know, like for a long time, I made my living by traveling to shoot photos. And uh, had I not made that transition to doing, um, you know, more retainer work, surrounding my own like hunting trips and stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It'd be, it's hard to know where I would sit today if I was like, had been planning on whatever 70 days of shooting this spring all over the country. And then all of a sudden I can't move, go anywhere. Um, yeah. So I think that, I think it, it's important to be an entrepreneur if you're trying to get into it, regardless of what route you take and uh, make sure you have kind of, multiple irons burning all at once. Yeah. I, I, there's always two common things of belief, like with business, it's, do you want to become a specialized person in one field or, um, and there's people that say, yep, you need to do that because if you focus on a bunch of other things, you're, you're just, you know, you want to be average at a bunch of things or really good at one thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but if there's one thing that this whole thing has taught me, it's diversification. Naturally, I think you're, you're a lot like me where um, naturally we just, diversify because we can't control ourselves and we get bored with other things. Like right. that's how I, like I just, <laughs> I naturally learn about a lot of things because I get bored with one thing and move on to the next. Yeah. So I, I actually, I went to North Dakota state here in Fargo and I got a master's in business and man, one of the things like that they always just drove home in business school was a, a company's core competency. And so let's say you have, let's take the brand Coleman for instance. Yeah. So Coleman made coolers, right? And um, that's what they did. That was their core competency. Coolers, thermoses, you know, like that type of thing, like a hot and cold, keeping things hot and cold. Well, then they started to make tents and they started to make stoves and they started to make this and they started to make that. Well, in business school, they would always say, well, you have to be careful and you have to stick to your roots and make sure you focus on your core competency because if you start to diversify too much, like you, you might lose that, you know, that core. Yeah, you lose, yeah, you lose your, your right. identity. And so, you know, five years of getting that pounded into my head that you really want to focus, like really like telling you, like you should focus on one thing only to realize in my own life, it's better for me to have multiple things going at once. Um, because that for me, that works the best. Yeah. Um, you know, I think in more of a standard corporate structure, it might be simpler and probably more straightforward to focus on one thing, but if you're a small entrepreneur, I don't think that's, I don't think that's a possibility most of the time. I, I agree. I think, uh, um, 
you know, my general belief is if you, you know, you, you find kind of a niche and you learn all the different ways that money is being transacted in that niche mm-hmm. and you get um, some type of stream from that. Like you figure out a way to, 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 to you're, you're essentially a Swiss army knife. Like in that, in the hunting world, like you have to be, you know, it, how else are you going to make money? Like, how else are you going to make a living the way that you want to make a living? Like, think, yeah, like you just said, if you were just a photographer right now, you would be sitting at home. Hurting bad. Hurting, yeah. <laughs> yep. Not to mention, I mean, the hunting industry is worse than most industries where it's like you're a 1099 contracted employee because all of us, in the, like, all, like, like people like you um, and me, want you're, you want freedom, right? Like, so you mm-hmm. want to be that contracted employee. It's nice. When things are great, it's an awesome thing. Mm-hmm fun thing you get control your schedule and it's awesome um but you're also the first one that uh gets cut oh yeah 100 percent. things get tough it's you know it's it's uh it's what's really good for you in times of like you know in in hot like markets is uh is also really good for the company in down times because they have no actual ties like there's no (laughs) there's no like most of the time there's not some year long contract with you. It's like, we're contracting you for this job. Well, that job got canceled. Like, you know, we don't have to pay you because you're not on and that, salary. And this, this may be one of my questions I put on here is like, this may be, I think, and I, I, I don't even want to, I'm not even on the same ball field as, as uh, you as making a living in the hunting industry, but like the ugly truth about the hunting industry is prop. Like in my opinion, from what I've seen, is the, the the people that sit up on a pedestal and look down at people in the hunting industry and think that all you do is just sit around and hunt all day and like you live the best life and it's just unfair. Um, and it's like these things behind the scenes is what, like it also is, is more stressful. You have to figure out how do you, how are you getting, like the guy working at um, Walmart is not too worried about how their paycheck's coming every two weeks, right? Like. Mm-hmm. When you're a 1099 contracted employee, you're going around doing freelance work. Like you have to, like, it's never a consistent, like for sure thing. No, like, it's feast and famine, to, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, and I realized that a lot more when I was doing only the freelance work, man, some months I would just kill it, you know? And then I would pay off all the debt I had accrued <laughs> in the months prior from just trying to survive and like get through that time until I knew I yep. had some paychecks coming in. Um, and so, you know, and it's, it's very seasonal most of the time, you know, like the, you know, you are doing freelance work from the hunting industry. Most of the time I'd say 60, 70% of your income happens in the fall, you know, from August 1st until the end of December, like that's when you need to be out shooting and doing those and doing those trips. I mean, there's some diff, you know, if you're traveling internationally, if you go to New Zealand to shoot a, you know, tar or a stag or whatever, like obviously there's some different jobs there turkeys and that type of thing but for the most part it's so seasonal and uh yeah it's just you know it's uh peeking behind the curtain a little bit for anybody who's listening who's trying to get into the industry just know that it's not awesome all the time you need to have mental fortitude you need you need to like you need to be mentally tough to sit and be like i'm not 100 percent certain where next month's money is coming from Mm -hmm. and uh yeah, it's not, it's, I'm sure it's not as easy as what everyone appear, assumes it to be. 
Um, and I think, you know, like, but I don't want to discount anybody else's life. Like, I mean, everybody yeah. looks at everybody else, regardless of what industry based on social media and we curate <laughs> our social media to look like we're living the best life that we possibly are. Like, you know, most people aren't going to put out some photo of like something terrible that happened, you know, like on a daily basis, like, you know, like I wake up, you know, like for example, like if somebody's like, Oh, I've super, I have high anxiety every day. <laughs> like they're yeah. not going to talk about that. They're going to post, you know, an inspirational quote or something, you know, in a photo, like a pretty photo of where, whatever they're doing, whatever they're up to. And so somebody from the outside looking in is going to see that and go like, Oh, that just, you know, they're living a great life. I mean, meanwhile, that person might be absolutely struggling on the inside. And so I think you're right. Just being an entrepreneur, especially within the hunting industry, I think it just takes a lot of, like you said, mental fortitude and just trying to hold the faith that it's all going to work out. Yeah. I, yeah. And like anxiety is a big one too, because I never knew I had anxiety until the last <laughs> when I quit being a cop. I like people think that being a cop is stressful. Oh, yeah, that shit was like simple. I slept really well at night. Like, <laughs> I mean, you saw some weird shit, but other than that, like, and you knew where a paycheck was coming from. Um, and I mentally, I would, that shit never affected me. I know people to get affected by it, but like anxiety, I didn't know anxiety until I was like, Oh shit. I don't know where money's coming from in a month or, Right. I have to figure out how to pay bills and like that's, but understanding it, that it's an okay thing and, and leaning into it and, and getting in control of it too. Like maybe someday you just need to go for a walk and get out and not right. get any work done. Um, that's an okay thing too. So what is, if you had to pick an ugly truth about the hunting industry, what would you pick? Mm, I think just that it's not as glamorous as it seems from the outside looking in. Yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's just work. Um, I think the sooner people realize that it, you're like, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you're selling something, right? It's whether mm -hmm. it's a service or content or a object or whatever. And when you really dive into it, the shininess of whatever you're selling tends to wear off over time. Like, you know, it doesn't matter if you're selling photos or if you're selling toilet plungers, like I mean, it's uh, like, whatever the product is, it's still just a transaction between people. And yep. so, um, you know, I'm fortunate to do, I get to do a lot of what I love, which is spend time in the outdoors and hunt and, and capture moments and capture memories. But you know, all the behind the scenes stuff, like it's, it's not glamorous. Like, I mean, it's sending emails and, um, putting together pitches and writing invoices and, you know, do, like it's, it's just a lot of paperwork, I guess, uh, you know, yep. digital paperwork and constantly keeping up that um, line of communication between yourself and your clients. Um, and it's all good. It's just, it's just all work at the end of the day. Yeah. It, it's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Like the editing part of the photo and video stuff too. It's mm -hmm. just like, I mean, that's how I quit being a guy. I was, became, I started a video production company, um, edited videos like over and over again, like did that, like was a hundred percent in on it. I have a mental block right now i can't get in there and edit like we i re-released -re our first season of the turkey hunt and then i'm like i can't even get episode two done dude like it's so hard <laughs> i can't no, get myself I, to get in there yeah i i completely oh. understand that you know like i i have uh the, the 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 amount of video and photography that i have that has sat unedited mostly on the video side like i've shot all sorts of stuff that's never seen the light of day 
Um, I know it's sad too, kind of. Yeah. Never I'm, I'm trying to be a lot better at that. Uh, you know, like it's this van project has really helped and you know, on honestly, the, uh, the social distancing has helped a lot because yeah. typically this time of year, I'd probably be on the road two, three weeks of every month, you know, from basically starting in April, April and May, like gone at least three weeks each of those months. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but you know, March and April, like I've been home the majority of the time, which has been awesome to just like slow down a little bit and get to some of the things that I really needed to do that like, I like just business stuff and like clean up stuff. And, um, and so the quarantine has probably helped my productivity tenfold because I'm not like so focused on, you know, finding a bird or finding, you know, traveling to the yeah. next location or worrying about the logistics of getting somebody here or, you know, myself that's a, there. That's a whole other thing too. Like you want to talk about ugly truth. Like when you're hunting, you're not usually making money and it's like no. the one thing you like doing, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like that's a tough one. That's a tough pill to swallow too. It is. Yeah, it is. But, yeah. like but no, said, I mean, I, I'm not trying to make, I'm not trying to like turn anybody away from getting into the hunting industry. I think it's just important for people to know that it's not, uh, you know, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're a diehard, um, and you are like obsessed and a hard worker and, um, yeah, it's, you do, you can do it for sure. Um, it's like that Cypress Hill song, uh, rock superstar. <laughs> where he's like i mean it's it's a fun job but it's still a job <laughs> yep it is well any, i mean anything is and anytime money's being trans transacted it's always going to be sometimes you have it sometimes you don't and sometimes it's gonna be fun and sometimes it's not yep yeah cypress hill rock star rock superstar yep i think that's the name play of it sure and tell me if you hear this better not play too much of it you pick it Oh, that wasn't it. That's the, yeah. <laughs> here. Those I old can, YouTube ads. I could find uh, like the the seconds, you know, like that you need to like, pull up. Jeez, actually made me listen to that. Sharks out there trying to take a bite of something. Was hot. Other millions out there trying to change up. Damn, dude, this is like '90s rap, huh? Oh yeah. Everybody wants a bike. Don't happen overnight. Better not play anymore. We'll get no. Better yeah. not. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anybody listening, go listen to the song. There's a part in the middle of the song where they cut to like a guy just doing an interview, and he says that. So, <laughs> thing for uh, the whole copyrighted uh, issue with. The I know you can only play like what, like eight seconds or something like that. Yeah, I remember my first turkey hunting videos. I was editing. I was just taking taking uh, country songs out and downloading them off YouTube and putting them on my videos. Mm -hmm. How'd that go? <laughs> I yeah, not well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> got banned off YouTube. I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. I didn't know any. I didn't know. I did not know any difference. Um, yeah. yeah. So, is there anything that you would do uh, differently, knowing what you know now, looking back? Um, kind of speaking to the person who's looking to get in the hunting industry like where do you where do you direct them where do you tell them like good place to start uh you, do you want me to like take it from a photography standpoint sure yeah you know i, th I think the best thing for people to do is 
to try to find and here I'm going to say, you know, kind of something against what I was saying before, but try to find that little niche that you're good at your style. I think there's too many people that are, um, they're trying to shoot photos like another photographer that they look up to. And for a while, that's fine. Like, I mean, you need to work on your craft and you know, a lot of times to do that, you look at a photo from somebody else and you're like, Oh man, how did they do that? And then you go and figure that out, but that's not your style. That's their style. And so I think people need to, and this is tough. I mean, it's tough, but once you start to figure out what your style of photography is and like the way you do your post processing and just kind of like the look that you like to give it, like that is what you need to stick with. And that's what you need to sell is be different, not better. I think that's probably the best advice I can give. And the, and honestly, one of the hardest things to do, especially now that cameras are so affordable um, and the amount of information about how to shoot a good photo is so prevalent. And it's, it's not to say that you can't jump into it and just absolutely crush it. Um, but I, over the last couple of years, you know, I've definitely seen like a lot of the bigger brands they they like, a certain style of photo to use for advertising, marketing, whatever it might be. But what happens is you start to get a whole population of photographers that are shooting basically the same photos. It's just a different name on the back end. And company, even you know, companies and photographers are starting to blend together. Um, and so I think, yeah, it's probably just figure out what you want to shoot, what your niche is, whether it be lifestyle or wildlife or you know, you name it, like what, figure out what your thing is and then figure out your style within that niche. Um, and then move on from there. Yeah. Great. Um, someone I look up to in business, they explain kind of what you explain in a, a simple layman turn is terms are think about an ocean, um, where a bunch of sharks have just gone through. It's generally red because they just ate all the fish and it's bloody. But most people are diving into the red ocean, right? It's where everyone's been. It's where all the sharks have been, where all the food is at. Um, it's what they've seen works, right? If you go by and, you know, over, overhead, you're, you're assuming that there's food where there's a bunch of red um, blood in, in an ocean. Right. You have to always strive to find the, the blue ocean um, mm-hmm. where the new, where nothing's been yet. And that's difficult. It is difficult. Like I've ran into that too, where, you know, you edit videos in the hunting world and you kind of draw um, inspiration from other people and you can't get caught up in trying, you can't get caught in that like copycat, like fake it, make it type yeah. shit too long. Yeah. And the yeah. other thing, the other stuff. thing, and, and this has been a problem for me for a long time, you know, all probably my whole life, you know, I've struggled with this. Don't let perfection get in the way of good enough. Stop polishing the polish. Yeah. Stop, you know, it's paralysis by analysis. However you want to say it. If if you're like, oh, I'll release this photo or I'll release this video when I can get this clip or if I learn how to do this type of editing, like just like start putting stuff out there and then you'll get better over time. Like people will honestly grow with you as you grow and as you get better. But man, I, so many times, like I've had stuff in the works or had stuff done even, um, that I haven't released simply because I'm like, oh, this could be better. This could, you know, and, and then you, and then you go on YouTube and there's some dude catfishing off of a dock with his 
son and the video has 2.7 yeah, million. million views. Yeah. Like <laughs> how many times have you spent like, oh, this, per this picture is perfect. You, you schedule it out on Instagram or Facebook and you post it and like nothing, like a weird, like crappy cell phone selfie or some mm -hmm. picture with the cell phone is goes up. I mean, there's something to be said with that too. Like people do definitely appreciate realism and we're, we are getting like, you know, society sees a lot of edited stuff now. Yeah. And you I know, think, so much you know, for me personally, I think it's helped. I think a lot of people found me through photography, but I think it's helped to have, you know, for me a little bit of diversification between, you know, content surrounding the bus. And a lot of that is not like super professional, you know, it's just stuff like on the fly, yep. um, you know, obviously the van project now, which I, you know, is kind of a, just a smaller version of the bus, but like, you know, creating content surrounding that project and then everything else, like still doing all the photography work. So, um, I think it gives my following just a break from, you know, like every post isn't the same. It's not just some yeah. photo or, you know, well put together, whatever. So, so someone looking to get into the industry, mm -hmm. these are the, these are the things that I've kind of come up with that are, you know, jobs that someone could look into or places that they could start, you know, in product companies, you know, that's kind of what drives the whole industry. Um, that's where the, that's where the money starts, you know, it's, yep. you know, marketing, PR sales, product development, like, you know, if you're an engineer, you get into the product development side of stuff, you know, those are the, those are the places that you can, you can get a normal employee job there. Mm -hmm. Um, if you work hard enough and then you get, you know, the content creators and that's, you know, photo video, uh, writers that, I mean, the writers are the OGs, like the old magazine writers yep. are the, like legit OGs of freelancing. Yep. And they were doing both. Like they were doing photo and writing back in the day, probably for magazines. Mm -hmm. um, and then you got the whole guiding um, industry. And I think a new one that's, that's up and coming and probably gonna get more popular now is the whole consultant side of stuff. Yeah. Actual consulting yeah. And, and hunting. Anything else you'd add to that? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, that pretty much covers like the whole umbrella of, Right. Well, how money was transacted yeah, in the right. hunting industry. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the only other one that might be a potential is, so I've seen this within hunting companies, you know, like um, say Sitka, for example, or Yeti or whoever, like, you know, all of the, all of those companies have a conservation director. And so they help those companies understand like where, they should send money or what projects they should invest in and like where to give back, what, how much product to give to certain bank, you know, like whatever. So yeah. I could, I could potentially see, you know, positions like that being opened up in like auxiliary industries, um, you know, farm and ag stuff, you know, where like, let's say a giant seed company has, you know, opens up a position that where they have a conservation director where sure they sell corn, soybeans, wheat, um, you know, and seeds to farmers, but maybe they give some sort of an incentive to plant like bumper row crop for conservation, you know, and, you know, somebody within that space could be like, oh, if you plant, you know, 12 acres along the edge of this field, like it creates habitat for not only, um, you know, all the wildlife, but also helps with, you know, erosion or whatever it might be. Um, so I, th I could potentially see there being an industry there where companies that make money off of people that also hunt um, could open up some sort of 
conservation director position. Yeah. Know. Do you think that's, or do you think like those people have backgrounds like the DNR and, and uh, general conservation? Probably, you know, it's probably, it would, I would guess that it would be, you know, people with like, bi you know, biology people and, mm -hmm. um, or biologists and yeah, people, conservation officers, um, you know, or people like me that are simply like conservation advocates. Um, so you, you never know. Um, you know, if you look at the people who are working those positions within the hunting industry, a lot of them aren't, you know, biologists or whatever. It's just people that are passionate about preserving what we have and increasing access. And so they just learn everything about it and start to yeah. help direct the company on, on choices and decisions to make. Um, so, yeah. So if someone is um, looking to, to just learn number one, more about conservation and uh, probably like a, their best way to help. Um, mm -hmm. Is there books that you read? Is there uh general resources that you would steer them to? I would say, uh, first I would pick whatever animal you're most passionate about. And there is a conservation organization for you. Um, whether it's pheasants or deer or elk or rough grouse or fish or, you know, whatever there's going to be, you can, you can find a conservation group that focuses on that animal. And then I think just reading materials from them and like seeing what they're doing within the space. I think that is probably some of the best education that people can get. Um, because if they go and do that with one organization, they can know for sure that it doesn't matter what animal is being focused on. Those other organizations are doing the exact same thing. Right. Uh, yeah. So that's probably, that's probably the most, I don't have like any good books right off hand anyway. Um, if I think of any, I can let you know and, put it in the notes, but, um, no, I would just say pick an animal and then join an organization, start reading the newsletter. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of a book freak. I don't know. I always read. Um, I try to read as many books as I possibly can on any subject. That's good. I think it's something that we all need to <clears throat> do better of is just generally be educated in the conservation side of, of what we do. I mean, it's <laughs> when we talk, you know, talk about CWD and the different roadblocks that could be ahead of us. Um, it's, it's in our best interest to, to learn as much as we can about them. Mm -hmm. It really is. Yep. Um, so Sam, what is, where should someone listening to this right now, go find you, go find your information, learn more about you, buy something from you. Yeah. Uh, if you'd like to support in these times of strange, strange times, uh, <laughs> best way to, to purchase merchandise is publiclandtees.com. Uh, and that is a apparel company that my brother and I own and we give $5 from every single item we sell back to different conservation organizations. I actually just sent a check or actually, I didn't send a check. I hopped online and I paid pheasants forever, uh, over a little over $2,000 for one of their build a wildlife area campaigns, um, yesterday. And so they actually purchased a piece of land in Minnesota that is now open to the public. Awesome. Um, yeah. So we do a lot of different access projects like that, but, um, yeah, that's either publiclandtees.com or on Instagram at publiclandtees. uh, for all of my personal stuff, just on Instagram at Sam Soholt or my YouTube channel, which is just my name, uh, Sam Soholt as well. So a lot of content coming that way this year. Yeah. So you guys are just redoing a big old van. Yeah. It's a Chevy express 3,500, um, extended wheelbase. We, um, had a four wheel drive conversion put on it. And then I was supposed to be out in Colorado for 
a week in March and a week in April to help like work on the build because it's out at my brother's place. And, uh, you know, then coronavirus hit. And so he's been picking away at the build and I've been working on other content for everything and making sure um, everything else is running smooth. And man, he's just been crushing it out there. So he's, uh, yeah, he's got a lot done on it. Um, and we got a lot more videos on that coming soon. And then as soon as this all passes, we'll be traveling in the van and, and uh, using it on public land adventures and documenting that. <laughs> so you park in the bus? Uh, the, the bus, is, as long as we can have social gatherings again, the bus will be an event rig. Um, yeah. it's, it's perfect for, you know, people can come hang out under the tent and check out all the shirts and hats and Yeti merchandise and whatever. Um, we can talk about public lands. They can tour the bus and hang out. Um, but yeah, as long as, you know, total archer challenges and stuff get reopened, uh, we can, we can use it for that. But for now it's, it's parked <laughs> yep. saving, saving fuel, <laughs> man. We didn't even talk about that earlier. The event, the event side of the industry. Mm -hmm. that is, yeah. The event world is going to be completely changed. <laughs> yes. hundred wow. percent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. buddy, appreciate you getting on with us. Good luck. Turkey. Uh, if you yeah, make it to Wisconsin, let us know. I got plans for you to, yeah. to roam. Hey, if the, uh, yeah, if the borders are open and they allow me to drive across, I might try to do that sometime later in May. Um, that's the nice thing about Wisconsin. We're open late, open late. And it's typically a good time to kill some turkeys out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. The only issue is mosquitoes at that point, but yeah. Yeah. Boy there. Yeah. And you get unlimited tags. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> One weird thing about us. We just don't care about tags after third season. Right. And it, you know, the first tag for non-residents is like, whatever 80 bucks hey, or something like that. Hey, we're raising that now. I'm I have I have been so I've been talking so much shit about that. But how low our out of state prices are. Oh, it's crazy. Is it going up? Well, that was that's on this big uh survey that we're going through right now. That okay. did, did you see anything about that? It's actually pretty interesting since uh they could not um there's a whole deer hunting survey. So there's I don't know, like 20 new um proposed laws to change the deer hunting season hmm. and they couldn't have the town hall type style meeting. So they actually released a survey last night at seven o'clock, um, a 55 question survey that's going to, um, lead them to their decisions. Wow. All online. So is it, is residents only talking like voting on that? Uh, I don't know. I maybe I'd go ahead and try, go, just go to the DNR website in Wisconsin okay. and it'll be, uh, um, I'm actually going to go through it this afternoon and, and I'll uh, document some of the stuff that we choose, but I know like one of them is, you know, our, our deer hunting uh, rifle season is such a giant. I mean, it's like, it's so entrenched in our, in our like yeah. culture. Yeah. Um, and they're proposing to actually make it a 20 day season or 19 day season instead of a 10. Okay. So they're, that's that's like the big emotional one that people are going crazy about. Mm -hmm. um, they're they're kind of they're they're um, but the other one is the non-resident license. So yeah. I am saying they needs to be raised because it's ridiculous. Because oh, it's super cheap. Yeah, I mean we're it's only one hundred and sixty bucks for two deer. I mean, you kill a buck and a doe for one hundred and sixty bucks. Yeah, and I'm not gonna say it, but you know, Southwest Wisconsin where I live is pretty competitive with. Uh, our neighbor, Iowa. So mm -hmm. <laughs> if I was someone not living around here, I would definitely be visiting. Yep. Um, it's tough yep. hunting, but you know, tall and super deep ravines and stuff, but yeah, that whole bluff country. Yeah. That's where we, that's where we roam. I like it. 
So, all right, brother. We hey. appreciate it. Everyone yeah, thanks for having me on. Give Sam a follow and buy some public land teas. I'll make sure to post that link in the comments. Perfect.